It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, August 4th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. First up, the California Report brings you the Golden State's top stories, which, after her curfew-busting Santa Clara performances, includes Taylor Swift. Believe it or not, it's been two years to the day since the river fire swept through Nevada and Placer counties, leaving ash piles where homes once stood and forcing evacuations for those in the Colfax, Chicago Park, and Pearsdale areas. Tonight on the river fire's anniversary, KVMR News brings you the first-hand account of Colfax resident Jim Catches. Then KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with the headliner at Saturday's Jerry Bash. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Here are some of the top stories in the Golden State. A federal judge has ordered the city and county of Sacramento to halt sweeps of homeless encampments for at least two weeks because of high temperatures in the region. Homeless advocates say such sweeps during heat waves are cruel and dangerous, preventing people from finding shade under freeway overpasses or places with trees and canopies. A judge issued a similar order last year during a period of high heat. Further north in Humboldt County, the Eureka City Council is seeking public input on a plan to update the city's waterfront area. The current plan would create more than a thousand jobs and a thousand housing units. It also includes mitigation for sea level rise, which Eureka Council member Scott Bauer applauded. It's important that anything we do when we're talking about the, you know, the waterfront needs to recognize like the future is going to be a little different and we should plan accordingly. The nonprofit Humble Baykeeper says Humble Bay is experiencing the fastest rate of relative sea level rise on the West Coast. New numbers out from the California Energy Commission show that one out of every four vehicles sold in the state in the last quarter were zero emission cars or trucks, most of them electric. Lauren Sanchez, a climate advisor to Governor Newsom, says state policies like EV rebates and the promotion of more chargers are fueling much of that growth. No other state in the nation is doing as much as we are to accelerate our clean energy future. And that starts with unprecedented investments to make these cars more affordable for Californian families and deploying chargers across our neighborhoods. The state wants all new cars sold in California to be zero emission by the year 2035 as a way to fight climate change. After leading the university for 16 years, UCLA Chancellor Gene Block has announced he'll be stepping down next year. During his tenure, Block has increased enrollment, student diversity, and donations to the university. UCLA also expanded its physical presence in the LA area, buying properties for satellite campuses. Here is Block in a video announcing his decision to step down. This decision was by no means an easy one. But I have the greatest confidence in UCLA's future, and I feel that the time is right for me, for my family, and for our campus. Now, Block has also grappled with crises, like a sex abuse scandal involving a campus gynecologist. That resulted in a $700 million settlement with victims. When he departs his chancellorship, Block will become a UCLA faculty researcher, studying sleep and circadian rhythms. The city of Santa Clara has issued curfew-related fines for Taylor Swift's recent concerts at Levi Stadium. Accompanied by a fireworks show, Swift performed past the city's 11 p.m. curfew over two nights. 
Pyroworks, a Nashville-based fireworks company, will face penalties of up to $1,000 per evening that the curfew is violated. Now, given the mega success of Swift's tour, where tickets are going for thousands of bucks a pop, the fines may not be much of a deterrent. But hey, rules are rules, people. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org. We mentioned the Taylor Swift tour a moment ago, but summer in California is the season for all kinds of music happenings. And unlike Taylor's performances, you don't have to shell out big bucks to enjoy them. Many are free. As part of our series, My California Summer, the California Report's Keith Mizuguchi takes us behind the scenes of one of the most popular free festivals in the state. Celebrating its 86th season this year, San Francisco's Stern Grove Festival is considered one of the oldest and largest free outdoor music festivals in the country. Coolest place to be on earth right here, right now. Thousands of people gather for 10 Sundays, surrounded by nature in Sigmund Stern Recreation Grove. The goal is to provide the biggest and most world-class acts that we can for free, especially these days, concert tickets are so darn expensive. That's Bob Fiedler, executive director of the Stern Grove Festival Association. The nonprofit's goal is to make live music more accessible to everyone. I love music's ability to bridge cultural gaps and bring people together from different backgrounds to different age groups. And I think it's just, uh, it's a really important part of our lives. To that end, the Stern Grove lineup has a little bit of everything for music fans. This year's lineup includes acts like the Indigo Girls, Santa Gold, and the headliners for the season opener, Starkey Puppy. Celeste Temple was one of the thousands in attendance at that season opener. She and her friends drove 40 miles, but she says it's worth it. F-R-E-E, it's for me. And usually the, the venue is beautiful and it's actually sunny today. Sun's come out and, um, you know, diverse music selection. Crowd's always really chill. Although Temple has been coming to Stern Grove for years, Ethan Sullivan is a first-timer. I didn't hear about the festival until an artist named Pete Escovedo played here a few years back, and I, uh, I saw his, his content from the festival on YouTube, and I was like, oh, that's cool. There are some changes if you do make it out to Stern Grove this year. The winter storms caused plenty of damage near the amphitheater, and more than 100 trees had to be removed. And ever since the pandemic, concerts are ticketed, so you have to sign up for reservations beforehand. That allows us to limit it to 10,000 people, which fits reasonably comfortably within that space, and uh, that improves the experience for everybody and it helps to keep people safe. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi in San Francisco.
And that is the California Report for Friday, August 4th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Brendan Willard, Danny Bringer, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Keith Mizuguchi and Izzy Bloom. Our senior editors, Angela Corral. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening on air or online, and I'll see you next week. Let's take a look at today's local news. This morning, wildlife biologists for the California Department of Fish and Wildlife safely immobilized a large female bear responsible for at least 21 DNA-confirmed home break-ins and extensive property damage in the South Lake Tahoe area since 2022. Her three cubs were also captured in the effort. Pending a successful veterinary check, the California Department of Fish and Wildlife has secured permission from Colorado to transport the female black bear to the state's wild animal sanctuary near Springfield, Colorado. The large black bear is one of multiple bears who famously held the moniker Hank the Tank. Relocation is not typically an option for so-called conflict animals, over concern that relocating an animal will relocate the conflict behavior to a different community. However, given the widespread interest in this bear and the significant risk of a serious incident involving the bear, the unusual decision was made. DNA from the bear was collected in March after she was discovered denning under a South Lake Tahoe residence. Staff from the California Department of Fish and Wildlife were then able to match the DNA to the 21 home invasions in the area between February 2022 and May 2023. The bear's three young cubs, which have accompanied her on recent home break-ins, will potentially be relocated to Sonoma County Wildlife Rescue in Petaluma. Two major thoroughfares in our listening area, State Route 49 and State Route 174, will see a bit of a facelift beginning next week. Caltrans crews will continue tree removal work in Nevada County, meaning motorists can expect lane closures at various locations along 49, between McKnight Way and Gold Flat Road, from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday, August 7th through Wednesday, August 9th. Crews will also start work removing a grove of dead trees along 174 beginning Thursday, August 10th. Expect one-way traffic control between Ubet Road and Dalmatian Drive, from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thursday, August 10th and Friday, August 11th. Now let's take a look at your forecast from the National Weather Service. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 61 degrees, Saturday sunny with a high near 91, Saturday night will be clear with a low around 65 degrees, Sunday sunny and hot with a high near 97, Sunday night will be clear with a low around 67 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight will be mostly clear with a low around 44 degrees, Saturday sunny with a high near 79. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 47 degrees. Sunday sunny with a high near 83. Sunday night will be clear with a low around 49 degrees. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight clear with a low around 61 degrees. Saturday sunny and hot with a high near 99. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 67 degrees. Sunday sunny and hot with a high near 105. Sunday night will be clear with a low around 68 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR.
Today marks the second anniversary of the River Fire. According to CAL FIRE, the first flames started the morning of August 4, 2021, at the Bear River Campground in Colfax. The fire decimated 2,619 acres in Nevada and Placer counties, causing evacuation warnings and turning structures to cinders. As part of an ongoing effort to record and catalog personal wildfire experiences, the KVMR News Team brings you this first-hand account from Colfax resident Jim Catches of the clock ticking down as the river fire raged. I was with my stepfather-in-law at the eye, his eye appointment in Colfax, downtown Colfax. Um, he had a scheduled appointment, so I took him there. And I kept hearing all the sirens outside, and I had asked the receptionist what, what was going on, and she said a fire broke out at Bear River Campground. So I went out onto the porch. I saw the column of smoke, and the wind was strong, and it was very hot that day. So I knew in that direction there was going to be a lot of trouble. Um, once Tom's appointment was done, we um, headed up to his house off of Schultz, and um, I raced down to our house because I kept trying to call my wife and I couldn't get a hold of her. So I got down there and the smoke was much larger and still blowing in our direction. So we knew that once it hit like Saddleback Ridge that we were going to really be in problems looking out across the canyon. Um, and you could see it working up that way, uh, working towards us. So I got home and I ran into the house and I um, said to Renee, I said, you, you keep looking for Remy. She couldn't find our cat. So uh, you keep looking for Remy and I'll go break down. We had just got back from camping not too long ago. So I broke down our tent trailer thinking, gosh, maybe we have to stay in it, you know. So broke that down um, and hooked it up to the truck. We got phone calls from her stepdad and her sister that were in town. They were being evacuated. So I had my wife take a truck out with Remy and whatever few things that she had time to grab because we didn't have a lot of time. I mean, this was all pretty quick amount of time. I ran over to my, I sent her out and then I ran over to my neighbor's house because we were supposed to be going on a walk. My wife and I had walked through the canyon that morning. And um, Frank and I were going to walk it in the afternoon. So I, I ran over to Frank's house and knocked on his door. And he looked out, and his first thing he said was, wow, is it going to rain? And I said, no, that's all smoke, Frank. we got to get out of here. So he uh, had just, we, we had maybe 15 minutes at that time to get our stuff out. So I, I went up on the roof and started putting uh, sprinklers down on the roof. And I could see this massive column of smoke, tornado type, because it had already gone beyond Saddleback and it was working up the canyon towards us. And I could see uh, a big spiral. You can hear just the, the wind, the roar of the wind circling in, in the um, tornado type cloud with flames shooting out and the birds in front. And you can hear an explosion every now and then. It took my breath away when I actually looked at it because uh, you know, you were in trouble. So I kept position sprinklers around, jumped off the roof, went down, pulled the generator away from the house as far as it could, pulled the barbecue away, and then uh, ran into the house. And the power had been cut. And 
I started just grabbing stuff out of drawers and throwing it in a bag to take out of there. And um, later found out that most of the stuff I took out, like my glasses, boxes and stuff like that, they were all empty. So <laughs> it was just, we, we froze. We had a closet next to the door with all the important papers, all our pictures, everything that you would normally take in an emergency to go. We, we went brain dead because we had such a little amount of time. We just went right by by that. I had stuff in the garage stacked in totes in case something happened to pull out. Never got to that. So everything uh, was pretty much left there. Um, uh, our neighbor, Kyle, who's a fishing game, he came down the road and with the sheriff came down the road and they said, we got to go now. And um, we could see that... Uh, the flames were starting to come up on Bearview down below. So I ran, uh, I went down and I go, oh man, all of a sudden I thought my phone, I forgot my phone on, on the counter or something. And so I wanted to call my wife and stuff. And the sheriff goes, what are you doing? You can't stop now, you know? So I said, okay. So um, I drove out and then I heard my phone ring. It came over the Bluetooth and I go, okay, at least that's there. Drove up to my stepdad's place, my wife's stepdad's place and um, loaded him up. And I thought maybe the Sierra Vista Center would be open for like a recovery point, which it wasn't. So, but that's where we all, my, my sister-in-law, my wife and her stepdad and myself and our cat, we drove in, you know, and stayed down there. And then I just walked up to the, um, the ball field above and kept watching the smoke. Um, then walked down to the high school and Roseville Fire Department was also unseen. And they asked me if I had a house back there. I said, yeah. So they asked the address. I gave them the address. They went and checked it out and said, we can't even get to your place. That There's too many downed wires and trees. And we've been told that nothing made it beyond that spot, that spot anyway. Jim Catches was recorded at the Connecting Point River Fire Recovery Fair on June 17, 2023. Nevada and Placer County residents impacted by the fire sat in the Colfax High School Teachers Lounge and recounted their experiences. KVMR will continue to collect wildfire stories. If you have a wildfire story to tell, contact the KVMR News Team at news at kvmr.org. Nevada City is gearing up for the annual celebration of Grateful Dead guitarist and songwriter Jerry Garcia. Stick around as KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with the headliner of Saturday's Jerry Bash. We're talking with Tom Menig from the Deadbeats, who are going to be headlining Jerry Bash this Saturday, August 5th at Pioneer Park. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Felton. So uh, we've got another round of the Deadbeats at Jerry Bash. Do you know how many years this has been going on? I I want to say 27th Jerry Bash. That's I don't a, know if that takes into account the couple of COVID years, so I'm not sure exactly. You know, that's how we count nowadays. We just go, it was 27 plus something, so we don't yeah. know. 
Yeah. It's a lot of years with yeah. Jerry Bench. Yeah, for sure. So the Deadbeats going to be out at Pioneer Park. It's going to be a wonderful time. Now, you're an original member of the Deadbeats. Talk about how it all got together. How did the Deadbeats come together 27, well, 28 years ago or whatever? Well, I think it was we got together because, you know, obviously the love of the, of the Grateful Dead. But it was a handful of Paul Cameron, myself, my brother Eric was on bass. Gary Campus was on drums. Dave Smith was on keys. And our friend Craig Chamberlain was the second drummer. And we got together on a Thursday night at the Mad Dogs and Englishmen Pub on August 4th, 1994. So next year will be our 30th anniversary. And uh, we had fun right from the get-go, you know. I mean, what can what can go wrong? You're playing the music of the Grateful Dead. And we, we did pretty good for our first shot at it, and people seemed to enjoy it. So the pub booked us for a weekend, and that did well, and there you go. And then we played for a year, having a great time, and then Jerry died. And, uh, you know, it was like, wow. So we ended up, at first it, it wasn't, People didn't know if, if they wanted to hear the music right, and it was a little too much. But, you know, within the next year, we were busy playing all over the place. And you had the prerequisite two drummers, so you were already set. Yeah, yeah, we did that right from the start. So, yeah, we, our keyboard player, Dave, insisted on that. He, he was a big deadhead, and he was a big fan of the two-drummer era. Personally, I cut my teeth on the single-drummer era in 1973, so that's kind of my thing, but... It is fun playing with two drummers. It's kind of like it. Talk about how you became a fan of the Grateful Dead. How did that come about? Well, uh, let's see. I think I was a sophomore in high school, or maybe I was a junior in high school, but my brother had gone away to college in San Diego, and he was living in the dorms, and his roommate happened to be from uh, Marin County, from San Anselmo, and uh, his dad was like a judge there, and he was a total character and a total deadhead, so I rode the train down from uh, Orange County where I grew up and spent the night there and fell asleep uh, listening to Europe 72 and that was it. And then within the next couple of years, I think I saw my first show in 73. So that was probably the same year. Yeah, and, we, uh, we, we have similar experiences. I, I kind of cut my teeth on Europe 72 and my first show was 74. So I, I caught up to you. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, I saw, I, I was never a follow the dead around kind of guy. I saw, you know, a handful of shows in the 70s and maybe the early 80s. And I didn't, I probably went 10 years without seeing the show. And then I saw like one show with Brent, I believe. And, uh, yeah. And then I saw some shows in the 90s. A buddy of mine was friends with Lisa Midland and uh, used to get us tickets. So that was kind of nice. So I saw quite a few shows in Oakland and Cal Expo, kind of those early 90s shows. And uh, then the Deadbeats as a band went to see the Grateful Dead in Sh at Shoreline in 1994. I think it was the last California show before Jerry passed. So we got to do that, which was fun. A little field trip for the Deadbeats, you know. Did they give you your own little space or something, or did you just go as fans? Did they know the we, Deadbeats well, were coming? We, had, we got comp tickets from the head of security at Shoreline who Gary Campus was like remodeling his house in Nevada City like in Victorian or something and just you know happenstance and so yeah he got us all comps which was pretty cool and they were good seats too right down the front so yeah we were pretty happy about that. We're talking with Tom Menig from the Deadbeats they're going to be headlining Jerry Bash happening tomorrow night at Pioneer Park 
So have you guys already put your set list together, or is it something that will evolve? Well, yeah, we put a set list together because, you know, we don't play a lot, and we got to dust stuff off, and, you know, we want to be prepared. We don't want any train wrecks on stage. So, you know, I mean, we used to play a lot, and we never, never would rehearse. But it's just fun to get together with everybody and touch base and figure out what everybody wants to play and then run over it, you know? Tom, I know you're going to put out a great set. What's your favorite song you're going to play tomorrow night? Oh, geez. That's a tough one. I don't know. I think we might pull out Bird Song. It's okay. Jerry Bash, so we got to, you know, make sure we get a good dose of Jerry. I always like that one. All right. Very cool. That's Tom Menig. Have a great show tomorrow night. Thanks so much, Felton. That's our newscast for this Friday, August 4th. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Nevada County Fairgrounds in Grass Valley. Featuring the 2023 Nevada County Fair, Wednesday, August 9th through Sunday, the 13th. Offering family fun, entertainment, exhibitions, midway rides, and traditional treat street fair food. More information at nevadacountyfair.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio projects comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend.